Hello, Wanderers, and welcome to another episode of Wondercast. I'm Olivia, and I'm your podcast host. We are just one month away from Wonderfruit. Crazy how fast time flies. And we still have a few more guests that we want you to get to know before the gates open on December 13th. I am so excited to introduce our guests today. They are champions of sustainability in their Bangkok-based Michelin-starred restaurant, and they put culture and heritage at the forefront of everything that they do, kind of like us here at Wonderfruit. You might know them from the latest season of Netflix, where their restaurant, Bolin, was just featured, or from Asia's top 50 best restaurant list, because they come up every year. But today you'll learn about them as chefs Bo and Dylan, and they are very much involved in what we're doing at Wonderfruit this year because they're hosting a feast. Now, this will be held at our all-new theater feast, which is this beautiful 200-seat communal dining hall that was designed by Abe Rogers. And so, without further ado, let's find out what they're cooking up and how. Welcome to Wondercast. All right, well, I'd like to thank you guys for taking the time to sit here with us. Your commitment to sustainability is really admirable and very much in line with what we're doing at Wonderfruit. So, you know, thank you for being a part of the community. Oh, it's really excited to be part of Wonderfruit this year. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, good. So you guys are busy. You've just been on holiday. Am I mistaken? What's a holiday? <laughs> <laughs> Where did you guys just come back from? Uh, we come back from London, but then we, yeah, we went there to work with Somsa. Some of our friends who have a Thai restaurant there. Okay. On the London restaurant festival. festival. Yeah. So I want to commend you on your tie. Oh, it's <laughs> very rare. I mean, I think that people learn, you know, languages all over Asia. But your tie sounds fantastic. Just hearing you. Probably because you can't speak Thai. You're absolutely <laughs> correct. It's not that good. It's not that good. <laughs> um, how long have you been in Thailand for? Uh, ten years now. Okay. <laughs> ten years. Okay. How long did it take you to learn Thai? Uh, I'm still learning. Um, I sort of did, a, I did some classes when I first arrived mm -hmm. and got stuck into it. So, and then the first six months to a year, I was really pushing myself to learn because of we had a new team and I wanted to be yeah. able to interact with them and, and talk with them. So I guess after a year, it started to get a little bit better. And now with having two kids, it's starting to get better again. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Do you guys ever have culture clashes in the kitchen? We just clash. <laughs> In dead coffee. <laughs> good. Well, then you have like a synergy though that works. Like clashing can be a good thing if you can learn from it. Yeah, right? we, we used to fight a lot in the kitchens <laughs> and it get better over years because we learned. We're getting older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Less energy. Yeah. <laughs> so do cultures, like different cultures and different backgrounds come into play there, especially in the kitchen? Um... I'm not sure that it's our cultural background that we ever have clashes over. I think more so it's our creativity, creativity, and our beliefs in certain techniques or products that really that we that cause the most problems. Culturally, generally, even at home, like we don't really have issues that much. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's more work-based. Okay. Okay. What do you mean by creativity? How is there a clash in creativity? Gosh, she wants to do something one way, and I want to do it another way, and we have to find some sort of middle road or one of us has to compromise and say, fine, we'll do it that way. Yeah, compromise is easy to come by? Um, <laughs> easier this day. Easier? Yes. Good, good. Okay. So um, what intrigues you most about this upcoming sort of wonderful experience? 
for me, the whole idea that Wonderfruit is embracing such forward-thinking environmental and sustainable uh, ideology is really exciting and interesting. And the fact that they have such a large platform in which they can spread it across and incorporate into every aspect of the festival, for me, really shows how other people should be doing it and how the way forward is really. It's, it's a glimpse of the future, I think. Yeah, okay. Um, as, as sustainability, it's really become such a trend, like a buzzword almost these days. Is there any sort of aspect of it that, that drives you crazy or that you want people to know that that's not what it's all about in the restaurant industry? I, I don't really believe that people understand what sustain, sustainability is okay. in general, like yeah. in, not, not only in restaurant industry, but in every other industry as well. They just put it in their vision statement or mission statement to look cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like that. And the, the things that annoy me the most is they don't really practice this in like an in-line operation. So like everyday operations of any industry at all. Yeah. It's just about talking about it and not yeah. really uh, put it in practice. So how do you define sustainability? That's the most simple question, but what's your actual definition of it? Um, it's just really simple. Like sustainability would be the things that you do that... Um, Has a positive or no negative impact? Yeah, to our life and our environment today. Mm -hmm. So like you, you still make sure that the next generation, so tomorrow people have the natural resources to use the way that we have access to it, mm -hmm. that is sustainability. Like it's not gonna last forever, but at least it's like, you know, yeah, doesn't create a negative impact. Yeah. yeah. Do you think Thailand is ahead of the world or behind the world in terms of sustainability? <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, we got some opinions here. In terms of adopting the ideas and using the words, like we are really advanced. <laughs> Mm -hmm. But in terms of real life practicing or living sustainably, like as simple as like producing sustainably and consuming sustainably, I don't think we are out there, but I'm quite surprised when I travel as well. I'll, we, we are with things like places like London, so places like in Europe or even Japan are really advanced in their like envir environmental like conscious yeah. on buying, eating, consuming. But like you go there, everybody still like use plastics back everywhere. Yeah. So it's really hard to say whether it's advanced or not advanced. Yeah. However, we, we have a hope because more and more smaller communities within Thailand try to um, make a change. But this yeah. is the thing I think as well, like it's the smaller communities and the regional communities that in my opinion are more sustainable and have been more sustainable because it's part of their culture and they haven't advanced like the larger cities have and the larger cities in especially in Asia and let's say Bangkok as an example it's really unsustainable because of the infrastructures they have in place here yeah. so I think you get both sides of the coin in Thailand especially. Mm -hmm. You get these super sustainable lifestyles from small regional communities that practice safe farming and they like little waste and they're really scarce on resources or very frugal with their resources. And then you have the other side where you've got families with three, uh, three big vans driving around the city with three yeah. different drivers and air conditioning blaring all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's both sides in Thailand.
Okay. Do you think that the number of small organic farms is increasing or decreasing right now in Thailand? <laughs> I would say increasing. Yeah. For, for my gut feeling, not relate, rely on like the data. Yeah, I'd say they're on the increase. I'd also say there's a lot more not organic farms on the increase. Okay. Like, this, <laughs> well, this is Thailand. You can pay for yeah. you can pay for a certification at the end of the day. This day, hmm. I'll always say like this is harder to find uh, organics produced in the organic market. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so how do you find it? Well, you have to ask questions. You have to have uh, reference people that you can ask like. You know, a lot of people act like a middleman in the organic markets, and then, well, they may be able to sort a real organic produce, but you never know, yeah? <laughs> yeah, you never know. You made yeah. a really good point that you can pay for a certification. You can pay for anything in Thailand, right? Yeah. So I guess that's something that people should think about is, you know, don't just rely on sticker ask yeah, questions. Yeah, exactly. I think there's, it's bigger than that, and I think people need to... Exactly like Bo said, start asking questions, start putting pressure on government bodies yeah. and on individuals who claim to be doing a certain thing and make them prove that they're doing it, not just show a piece of paper. Does pressure work in Thailand? Ah, uh, the right kind of pressure. <laughs> you can't obviously go full head on like a farang and, yeah. and, 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 and so they lose face, but there's, there's ways around it in which I think you can question them in a way that at least you'll find an answer that you're happy with yeah. and make a decision whether or not you want to support that producer yeah. or not. So on an individual level, what kinds of sustainable practices are you practicing in the kitchen? Like what makes Bolan so sustainable? Um, it's not. Mythbusters. It start off with um, sourcing our produce. Yeah? Yeah. We make sure that uh, our farmers, our fishermen, they, they practice the sustainabilities in their like. Um, field of work mm -hmm. so we sort properly and then when the produce come in we make sure that we minimize the plastic bag mm -hmm. it's not zero percent like you know pork chicken is still have to be in a plastic bag for the cost contamination issues yeah so a um, lot of um, vegetables it doesn't come in plastic bag anymore yeah not anymore no not. <laughs> and also um, how we manage our waste that I think that's it's a huge part of what we do yeah it's yeah. a huge part so we separate our weights and instead of putting everything in one compost bin we try to upcycle different things as much as we can about that Mm. Yeah. When I say we're not sustainable, I mean that in the most sincere terms. We're striving for sustainability, yeah. but where the reality is we're an inner city restaurant yeah. and so there's no way shape or form that we could really be sustainable in the like in the full sense of the word. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a goal of ours that we want to achieve, but it's and it's something we're pushing for every day. But we're not unrealistic and we're not naive enough to think that just these measures that we are doing, which are great, mm -hmm. are enough to make the restaurant itself sustainable. Yeah. What are some little ways that you think other restaurants in, in Bangkok and all over the world could sort of adapt sustainable practices into their restaurants, but in an easy way? I think that a lot of people think it's daunting and expensive and well, difficult and it's going to take more time, but I'm sure through your experience you know that it's not. What kind of advice could you offer there? Well, there's simple aspects like not buying in bottled water, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Um, filter your own water. That's a real easy step for some, most restaurants, even if it's not sparkling water, because that's quite difficult in Thailand, but the bottled water itself, to filter your own bottled water, mm -hmm. 
you're saving so much trash and also so much miles and infrastructure is being uh, not utilized or not used. Yeah, and for fossils like for transportation and things like that as well. Exactly, setting up swap programs with your suppliers if you've got a good relationship with them yeah. so that there's reusable crates or reusable baskets or whatever you use with them. Yeah. It's a really simple step that means you can just swap in and out and you're reducing the packaging that's going into landfill. And then upcycling, like Bo said, composting is so easy yeah. and you don't need a lot of space to compost. There's really good systems now that you can make yourself with two garbage bins yeah. and it's really easy. So you're composting here? Yeah, yeah, every day. Yeah. Do you guys have a garden here or anything? Are you growing anything on your own? Oh, yeah. We do have a garden okay. and we do, there's a lot of edible stuff in the garden, but nothing grows in, in enough volume to support the whole restaurant. Okay. Yeah. So you guys talk a lot about um, Thai heritage in, in, in your food. What does that mean that you're trying to keep the heritage alive through your food? Because actually I think that Bolan is very progressive modern. So it's actually contradicting. Well, like when we're talking about the heritage, we're talking about not only um, what in the food, but how it gets done as well. So like peso and mota is one of the prime examples of like making the curry paste because um, when you put the curry paste into the blender it tastes different at the end products so like peso mota is the only way that we're gonna use and yeah, yeah and we're gonna pass it on to like the next generation of how to part properly yeah <laughs> and for that we also try to safeguard the people who obviously make peso and mota yeah. because it's another art form as well yeah so things like this and then also um, try to be true to the roots like you know a lot of places you see bokkeris or carrots in the carries in yeah. Thailand <laughs> <laughs> you know like things that not belong that should not yeah. be there but like if you have a Thai restaurant in Iceland I don't mind if you're gonna put carrot in yeah but you're <laughs> in Thailand you've got so many others like biodiversifies like plants that you can put in and make it true to the roots yeah, yeah when we're talking about heritage it's more or less like this yeah? yeah and a lot of like tedious job that people doesn't want to do anymore in the kitchens and you shortcut by either the new technologies or whatever sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't so like when it doesn't we try to preserve what is work yeah. basically okay um so those are the elements that you're that you're incorporating into the kitchen is it the presentation as well would you say that's part of the heritage or part of traditional cooking is the way you present it yeah the presentation probably the least yeah i'd say our presentation is a bit more that's the modern a, bit, a bit more that. contemporary yeah, yeah. But the structure of the meal, we keep it like really um, rigid. Rigid, yeah. So we don't serve coarse meal. So mm. uh, for me, I think Thai food, you have to eat everything together, like the salad, the soup, the relish, the curry. It has to be like that in front of you, and it's your choice uh, to eat like a little bit of salad and move on to the curry and move back to the soup as you wish during the meal. Like coarse meal for Thai food doesn't represent like the balance of the flavors and balance of the textures for like a proper Thai meal. Yeah. So what's the bolan balance? Just coming because you said the word balance and I'm yeah. reading a little bit about the bolan balance. What does that mean? The bolan balance is like our chef testing menu here. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's on since day one that we have bolan. Yeah. And in the bolan balance, we balance 
But Thai food is about balancing, yeah. It's, we, so we balance everything for you. We balance the flavor, the textures, the aroma, uh, the intensities of the food, as well as the protein. So yeah. like, it's the chef menu that makes sure that you have you don't have like three chicken dish okay yeah. yeah you've got like chicken you've got quail you may have like some seafood here and there and the you'll have one dish that's like quite spicy mm. and very uh, pungent and then you'll have another dish that's more mild and soothing and another one that's got a little crunchy element like a salad and then you'll have another softer element which might be a steamed dish so you'll get you get compromise not compromise contrasting flavors and contrasting textures yeah so at the end when you have that meal it's all yeah. yeah overall balance okay i guess that's a common that's a common mistake that especially visitors to thailand make is they go to a thai restaurant and they order themselves off of a menu dishes that they've heard of get everything too spicy and there's no balance i guess it's good that when it's done for you in the way that you're presenting it yeah because we we we've gone through that yeah for for guests <laughs> order the same dishes like they order the same curry, so they order for a la carte curry, and they just dump the curry on their rice. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. yeah, that is not really how you eat Thai food. Well, better, yeah. better yet, they take the rice plate, move it to the side, put the curry in front of them, then take the rice and put it inside the curry. Is that not how it's done? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be scary. So what is real Thai food then, if you were to define that? So, um, well, we have a rice as a center plate for individual. The rest is about sharing. The rest is about having like different dishes, different textures, different flavors, and then you balance it yourself. Okay. Yeah. So, do foreigners do they <laughs> do they get scared here? Are they intimidated by your concepts? I don't think so anymore. I think, I mean, the reason we went, we adopted a a chef's tasting menu only if you want to call it that mm -hmm. is so that we could control the experience of our customers mm -hmm. and since then I think um, people aren't as scared or, or uh, inhibited by the experience here because one we try to train our staff to explain what's going to happen and explain how the food is served and so the customer feels more uh, relaxed and sort of knows what's going to yep. unfold during yep. the course of the meal mm -hmm. and two we do cater to the customer's requirements so we won't change specific dishes. Like, for example, if they say, I don't eat spicy, we're not going to do a dom yum that's not spicy. We'll just change the, we'll just take that dom yum out of the dish, yeah. out of the menu, and put in a clear soup or a coconut soup, something that's less spicy. So then we still achieve a balance, but a balance that's right for them. Yeah, pe people tend to be able to eat more spicy. If they eat correctly. If, like, when they oh, eat, okay. no, when they eat here in general. Like, I'll have so many feedback, like, oh, I never know that I can eat this spicy, but because, he eat everything together. Yeah. I feel the opposite. I feel I love spicy food and in Thailand I have to order my food with no spice because it's next level here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't eat anything on the same profile that you can, I, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it comes back down to what we were talking about before with heritage as well. And part of heritage is an eating culture. Yeah. And you go to different countries or different places in the world, they have different cultures in, in the way that they eat their food. And Thai is no different. And so to have it with rice and to balance it and to move and bounce between the dishes, as Bo said before, is really important for people to understand and then also appreciate the full structure of a Thai meal. And once you start doing that, as Bo said, you can actually eat a different level of spice because you're not getting there and having a larp salad and going larp, 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 larp. You're taking a bite of larp and then you're going to a soup or then you're going to some vegetables and you're having the rice. And so the, the heat level doesn't like just smack you in the face like it would if you're eating a larp by itself. So what are the differences that you see on the floor between Thais and foreigners? What's the different kinds of reactions that you're getting? 
I try to avoid going on the floor as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have a lot of varied reviews, actually. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. We're, 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 po we're polarizing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no middle ground. How do you, how do you feel about that? Like, where, where do you think that's coming from? I think I, it means they're doing something right. Right, yeah. Because people are talking about it. Well, no, because if everyone was just like, oh, that was okay, mm -hmm. then... It's mediocre. It's mediocre. <laughs> but if you've got people that walk in going, wow, that was the best meal I've ever had in my life, which is obviously a load of crap as well, <laughs> and then another person coming in saying, that was the worst meal I've ever had in my yeah. life, and they've come in on the same day, yeah. it just means that we're, doing, we're pushing boundaries for people and we're challenging people's perception of what they think food is and also, to, well, especially what Thai food is. Yeah, and that's yeah. exactly what we set out to do. So there's no hurt feelings in terms of that. That's something that you appreciate and, and you there's, know that you're going to get it. There's no way you can open a restaurant and please 100% of the people who okay. eat your food. Okay. Um, you'd be crazy to think that. Mm -hmm. You can try, of course. And it's not like we deliberately try and give people a poor experience. But when people do have a poor experience, sometimes it's not necessarily their fault or our fault. It's just the way it's happened. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? What's your opinions on that? All um, agree with him. <laughs> yeah. You've you you recorded that yet? <laughs> Did you just agree? <laughs> oh, look at yeah. that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so you know, at Wonder Fruit, I think there's going to be a really big mix of you know tourists that are coming for the festival and also local ties. So, I guess you're going to be presented with that challenge too, and especially since you've just done this Netflix episode. Right. Does that up the bar a little bit? Does that make you a little put the pressure on that you have to do better or something? Um, no, I don't know really. Like every time something happens like Netflix or, or different accolades, we think, oh, it's really, we have to step up our game. But the benefit of Netflix, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, is people who have watched Netflix have a better understanding of what we're about than say people who have read us from a list, yeah. a list for the 50 best or Michelin or something, because they might not even know about us. They're just trying to tick a box. Whereas, in general, the, the people from Netflix come in and they're like, oh, this is what these guys are about. They're about yeah. produce, they're about farmers, yeah. they're about say, safeguarding food heritage. So they're really excited to try that. So they already know what we're about. Yeah. And I think it's yeah, easier to cater to. They have a better understanding and then they prepare themselves for it, for it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think at the end, the people who watch Netflix and then come and eat, they have a better experience. Yeah. Yeah. Also, because television told them to, so therefore it must be better. <laughs> right, the brainwashing of the media. Um, so, knowing what you're going into for this wonderful experience, maybe you can talk a little bit about the concept and what you're bringing to this feast. Well, it's not Thai food per se. Whoa! What? It's not. It's not a hundred percent Thai. Why? I mean, I mean, you know, we've gone over the menu a little bit, and we'll do that again. But why is it not Thai food? Well, it's all Thai ingredients. We're okay. definitely we're still using a lot of our core philosophies in terms of promoting biodiversity, supporting local producers, mm -hmm. uh, safeguarding food heritage. But we've decided to go down a completely vegan track for this menu. It's at, vegan. There'll be no animal products at all, okay. not even honey. Yeah, <laughs> so it's going to be challenging for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's the point of the menu is to raise some dialogue let's mm. say, about certain issues that are important to the regional and, and farming communities within Thailand. And some of the food won't necessarily be a Thai dish. Some of it will be, some of it won't be. Yeah. So it's like six course? Well, that's for one. It's straight away, it's courses, it's not sharing. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, okay. some of them are sharing, but in courses. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, we we put this one in courses just because that we can explain the idea behind is dishes that go out and yeah. And at 200 people. And at 200 people. Yeah. <laughs> and no, like some of the like a lot of dishes we'll be sharing anyway. Yes. Um, some of the courses will go to course together, and some of the courses they have to cook themselves. How so? So like um, in a hot pot. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, but then we, we're going to um, make it more interactive. We're going to change people's perceptions. We're going to... Um, change your perceptions on, on vegan food. On vegan food as well. And, right? and also just farming practices in general. Like we've got some experimental stuff that we're playing with now that hopefully we can incorporate into the meal that hopefully will shock and scare some people. Mm-hmm. But in a nice way. Wake yeah. them up a little bit. Okay. Yeah. We don't want to say too much because we're not sure if it's going to work yet (laughs) (laughs) so you're going to teach and talk along the way and have people sort of understand what you're doing where it's Mm -hmm. coming from is there any sort of farms or farmers that you're working with specifically for this wonder fruit feast that you can talk about Um, all of our producers really all of our farmers that do fruit and veg will be brought in somehow i'm sure yeah yeah like well the the root vegetables one of the course will be the uh, will be the root vegetables courses um, and we have a lady called Pitai and she best in like like that kind of area and she collect and have like um, maybe the largest collections of root vegetables that indigenous to Thailand so like instead of like you have potatoes or like the waxy, the flowery potatoes, she got like beyond that, and she got like twenty, more than twenties, I guess, like forty, fifty different root vegetables mm-hmm. that we're gonna incorporate into our course. Well, uh, maybe, maybe not all fifty, but we'll try and yeah, find six or seven of the more obscure yeah. ones. And we also work. We we will work with like ours um, organic farmers for like the hot pot dishes, and also like for yeah other dishes that we gonna like the coconut pique from yeah. pique from Pian Yotan. she been uh, supply us with the f- organic coconut mm-hmm. and coconut products like palm sugars and also like young coconut old coconut and whatever and that we will definitely inc- incorporate whole coconut into our uh, courses I feel like you guys should be selling these products that you're sourcing from these farmers. You know, you're making your own. Well, that's that's her, that's her side business. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like people are going to be asking about like, where can I get this palm sugar? Where can I get this coconut? Yeah, we'll, we'll have the bolan grocers happening properly soon. Really? <laughs> yeah. We we have like the fish sauce and things like that happening already, but it's not like a properly set up. Yeah. No, well, I mean oh, it's I something that we've been interested, or Bo especially has been interested in trying to set up and do. The problem is a lot of the producers that we're working with are such small scale that they don't have the volume that we can sell it on mass anyway so um, it's about building the relationship and also their business slowly and gradually so they can maintain and not not be overwhelmed by the whole process as well (laughs) have any of these farms that you've worked with like have been featured on Netflix are they getting any unwanted attention or are they starting to receive attention that's too much for them I just wonder how, how much that's exposure. Um, I don't think so. Maybe the only one that I could think that might be getting any sort of uh, attention? attention would be Raitong because they've got they actually have a presence on social media. Oh, our other okay. farm, our other farmers and producers don't really even have Instagram or Facebook. Like 
Some of them have Facebook, but it's a true form. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like the guys at the Palm Sugar place. Oh, they yeah. they don't have anything. They've You're still got old Nokia problem. phones, and the only way we can get the yeah, <laughs> the only way we can get the produce is we have to physically go there and pick it up from them. They won't sell it or won't put it in a messenger or anything like that. Oh. So it's like a it's a relationship that will stay like that, and I don't think they're going to get any more advance in their technology yeah or any more access or interest from outside because people won't be able to find them yeah. not because they don't want to be found we still get They're lost <laughs> <laughs> um how often are you guys traveling outside of the city to be able to source these these products from farmers around thailand we do it pop like the old existing producers like palm sugar we have to go there like every two months anyway but then others people we try to do like um, once in six months if we can and then we try to group them together so that when we go visit yeah. it's like a trip and then go visit everybody yeah. around that areas and yeah yeah hit up regions and meet new suppliers or new farmers yeah okay so back to this feast do you want to go through do you want to run down exactly what you'll be doing you know, we know that it's going to be six courses but maybe can we just get yeah, a so the, brief of what to yeah so the, the first course the, the six courses best are like the six natural um, elements mm -hmm. so like you've got the soil the earth the wind the fire the water and the sun mm -hmm. so like like the soil we try mm -hmm. to imitate the soil yes like at, at, at cop, eating dirt like <laughs> eating dirt yeah well that's that was really popular five years ago in molecular cuisine so we thought we'd bring it back yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and like the earths we're looking at like beneath the earth so like all the root vegetables and all okay. the sprout as well because we Beans, legumes, and grains is things that you can sprout and you can either eat it fresh or raw. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, cook or raw. Yeah. And then we, we want to play with that a little bit and we want to showcase like the biodiversities of beans and grains that we have in mm -hmm. Thailand. Um, yeah. And then for the wind, now we're looking at the cooking technique so we're going to smoke things through oh. the wind. Okay. <laughs> but we're going to smoke like obviously plant based stuff okay. yeah then um, and then we move to the fires so like we're gonna do like basically a barbie on barbie it's so australian <laughs> <laughs> like a plant plant barbie mm. for the water this is where the hot pot coming in and this is the course that people have to cook themselves okay. with the experimental that hopefully we can change their perception and raise awareness of food production systems. Okay. And the use of pesticides in food. Yeah, like you know, like we got like the pesticides um, protesting of like passing the law to allow to import the herbicides or pesticides in chemical one. <laughs> and it haven't been going anywhere yet so we want to show people how can the residue of this chemical agriculture pesticides herbicides can be like there in your vegetables but we're not using any chemicals we don't use <laughs> no no no, no we're not. We, we, we don't want to kill them yet yeah? yeah and then with the sun we're talking about like clean energies in yeah. preserving food so like we use sun-dried stuff um to create your desserts basically so what's the overall experience that you want people to walk away from this feast with? What do you want, what are the impressions and the thoughts? I think our like main like objective. objective in this feast is like we want to raise the awareness of um, how food and environments are deeply connected mm -hmm. and is this your choice? As you always say, don't your... The food is a... The, act, the very act of eating is a political act itself so mm -hmm. for every time you eat you should be making a statement as to 
what you want from your food systems and your ultimately the governments and how they uh, control them. Yeah, and how much should affect like how much eating as an activity, so cooking as an activity, affect our environment. And as a consumer, how can you minimize that negative effect toward our environment? But also that by eating ethically and sustainably, you don't have to forego luxury and enjoyment. Right. Which is a big part of it, I think. Yeah, you should still have you. You still should have pleasure in eating. Yeah. So it's like yummy, good food still. Yeah. Good. Guilt-free pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> good, wonderful. We're looking forward to having you in the fields immensely. Should be fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, how's that for a little inspiration? And if you want to learn a little bit more about Bo and Dylan and how they run their fine dining restaurant so sustainably, and also where they get their ingredients from, make sure you watch their episode of Chef's Table on Netflix in season five. If you want to look through all the feasts that we're hosting this year and check out all the other superstar chefs that are involved, head to our website at www.wonderfruit.co. That's it for now, but we'll see you in the fields. Until then, live, love, 